Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. My mom says my neighborhood school isn't good enough. How am I supposed to know my kids are getting the best education possible? Welcome to Good Schools for All, a podcast from the investigative news organization Voice of San Diego and the Education Synergy Alliance. We cut through the jargon and polarized debate to get you the news and ideas that matter. Good schools are at the heart of our democracy and economy, and we're about good schools for all kids. We hope you'll learn and maybe teach us something. It should be an excellent school in every community. Enjoy the show. And my name is Scott Lewis. I'm here from The Voice of San Diego. I'm Laura Cohn from the Education Synergy Alliance. And we are Good Schools for All. Yes, Laura, I do have a little cold I'm getting over. Yeah, I noticed that extra deep voice. It's the kids, man. The kids just, uh, they come in with their bugs. And you can always tell, right? You touch them and they're like, hot. Uh, You know, you can feel like, oh, this is happening. And then it's going to happen to me next. Hey, did you, when you were a kid, did your friends have uh, trampolines? Uh, Yeah. So uh, uh, we did The kind that were up high with exposed springs yeah. that you could bounce off of and land on your head. Yeah. That kind. No nets. So we didn't. And I, but my friends did. And I remember, th- or a couple did. I remember thinking like the trampolines must be like a million dollars, right? Yeah. Like they must be the most expensive. Well, you can get one now for like $180. So we bought one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we have one. So I, it was my son's birthday yesterday. I wanted to get ready for him. And I was building this thing and assembling it at night and uh, took me forever. It was like 1 a.m. And I put the little the end pieces on and I was like, I did it, you know. Yeah. And the next day my wife goes out and she says, so all these these foam things that were supposed to be the, you know, the, 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 there was all these foam things around and she's like holding it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those are just packing things. And she's like, no, no. they're supposed to be in the little in, in enclosure no, thing. <laughs> And I said, no. And I just got so mad at her. I was like, there's no way that doesn't. No, no, it wouldn't fit. It's not. And she's like, yeah, you need to. So I had to undo all these like uh, assembling thing. I think fatherhood is like 95% assembling. Assembly, definitely in certain seasons. (laughs) Hey, you know, there's a zipper to zip up the net. Yeah. Uh, My daughter was on our neighbors when she was little and they didn't zip the zipper and she actually bounced down and did (laughs) land on her head. So tell your kids to zip up the zipper. (laughs) I will. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, so uh, I'm hoping uh, they, they get some good physical experience out of that that doesn't that doesn't involve broken limbs well hey in the season of the olympics i hope they start doing yeah. crazy stuff on there and end up uh doing some of those amazing things that simone biles and everyone else is doing right well so we have a discussion so as we approach the beginning of the school year and all that that entails my son is going to find out what teacher he has soon all of those things and uh, mm-hmm. but one of the things that is plaguing districts across the state, and we're going to talk about it today, is 
a teacher shortage. Yeah, pretty severe teacher shortage. So you um, and your family should count yourselves lucky if when you find out your the name of your son's teacher, it's a permanent teacher and not a substitute to start the year. Because in too many cases, last year, uh, San Diego Unified, for example, started the year with 40 teacher vacancies in their classrooms. We don't know the figure for them yet this year, but um, we know that there is good reason to expect that there will be some classrooms starting the year with no teacher, which is a terrible, uh, it's terrible for kids. Well, well, because of the police, the placement system, will that disproportionately affect people of, you know, uh, underserved areas? Uh, yeah, I mean, out. I think that's a, that's a reasonable supposition that came in, up in the Vergara case um, here in California. For sure, there's a preference. Uh, teachers tend to move towards schools serving mixed or upper income kids, um, leaving vacancies behind in the schools in the lower income areas. This is not, you know, a, a universal thing, but it is the overall trend. So, yeah, the kids who most need quality teaching from moment one in the school year are the most likely to suffer from the effects of this teacher shortage. Mm. And so, one of the things you you just sent me, uh, which I would find quite interesting not only is there a shortage but the credentialing system the actual the farm league if you might call it this is the group of of local higher education you know institutions of sorts that are producing teachers and and qualified teachers producing far fewer of them huh I was shocked. Uh, I, I pulled out this data from some reports, including one from the Learning Policy Institute. Um, but but I pulled the data actually off the state website, which has good data. And in the 2010-2011 fiscal year, San Diego County uh, higher education institutions issued 1,737 teacher credentials. And as of the 14-15 fiscal year, they issued only uh, 1,223. That's a 30% decline. And yet, so the pressure against that is that our school district's budgets are recovering. So they're able to do work that they want to do to reduce class sizes and add additional classes because the budget's allowing them to do that. But they've got fewer and fewer teachers to hire from to fill those positions. And at least in San Diego, there was a lot of, you know, it's, it, there was a lot of push to actually get older teachers to retire early, to buy them out, to alleviate some of the budget pressure that they had in the past. Right. Uh, and, and, but underneath all of this too, and I know San Diego Unified is quite worried about this, that there is a very, um, there's a, an aging teacher uh, population, right? Right. About in San Diego County, um, about 32% of our teachers are 50 years or older. So many of those teachers who are 50 years or older have reached a good pension threshold so that they can retire with full pension benefits. So uh, it is worrying. And, and those retirements, uh, some of them slowed down during the recession because teachers Oh, anyone who's um, in the midst of a recession might want to keep earning income for a few more years before they retire. There were some of these buyouts, though, that um, weighed against that. But in general, there's a bit of pent up retirement facing our districts here in San Diego County, in California. And actually, it's a national issue. Yeah, and some of these uh, numbers are really interesting. We'll link these on the show notes for the post. But you, you have in here, for instance, San Diego State University in 2010 and 11 graduated 453 teacher credentialed candidates and uh, in 2014 and 15 only 293 so a down uh, difference of uh, 35% less fewer teachers uh, 160 fewer um, University of San Diego they added some 
National University, they had 266 down to 192. What is fueling that? Uh, you, well, let's do, take this opportunity to introduce the, the person you're going to speak to. And you um, managed this interview was uh, Heather Latimer. She's at the University of San Diego, right? A professor. She is a and, professor there. She has been the dean of their teacher preparation program in the past. So we had a really great conversation about some of these trends. Um, so we'll talk about it in the interview. But some of the things that have um, played into this are that young people saw the pink slips that were happening to teachers, to some of their friends or to the teachers that they had in school during the recession. And that's a huge disincentive to setting your sights on being a teacher later on. Very stressful for anyone in the orbit of somebody who is um, constantly year after year uncertain about whether they'll be employed in a few months time. So that's one factor. Another factor is that our universities that are um, issuing these credentials, they were subject to the um, recession, to the decline in state funding. So they had fewer professors available to prepare teachers. So their capacity to generate credentialed teachers um, took a huge hit. So that those are a couple of the factors that um, fed into this 30% decline for San Diego County. I think what's you know, this could be an opportunity. This crisis could be an opportunity as well to make sure that we were recruiting the you know highest quality people possible and creating the most attractive you know situation for them possible. And so I hope that there's activity going on along those lines as well. To when you address it, not just the tendency might just be to perhaps lower standards or or just let you know or or hire more people who apply as opposed to you know you know really holding a high line on that i mean i I think back on during the you know like when the military was trying to hire folks or recruit folks during the you know wars they 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 dropped a lot of standards to the point where it was like a little bit worrisome you know that there's a whole story of bo bergdahl like he was you know he lost out of the coast guard and and goes into the army and they didn't flag some of the problems with that you you worry that they're gonna lower standards to make sure they make some of these uh, appointments so uh, it, it, are there efforts to address that or the quality of teachers or, or you know, or, or handle some of the, there was, I guess, a discussion about wage difference too? Yeah. So um, I think that is a good thing to worry about. And so the proactive sort of um, strategic districts are working extra hard to get out in front of it and make sure that they're um, pulling in, netting the best uh, graduates of our teacher credential programs as quickly as possible. I just heard a story about um, David Miyashiro, who's the superintendent at Cajon Valley School District. Even before he started his job, he reached out to one of the local credentialing universities and asked how he might um, get ahead of uh, the comp- competition to get get some of those teachers to come out to Cajon Valley so that he could be building um, a great teaching force. So, um, and, and actually that leads into our what's working for this week. So what's working is that San Diego Unified pulled together cooperate cooperatively between the union and the administration, pulled together a teacher pipeline task force that concluded its efforts in early 2014, so um, early into uh, Superintendent Cindy Martin's tenure, that really laid out a comprehensive strategy for how the district might improve its teacher pipeline, improve its both recruitment and retention um, and evaluation of teachers. Um, And so they've paid a lot of attention and also done it in a collaborative way to how they might 
have better human capital strategies. And I think it's dependent, though, on them like, actually implementing these of plans, course, right? Yeah, a report doesn't get you anywhere. I've I've heard um, in the communities that they have improved their recruitment efforts and so backed up their hiring dates um, earlier in the cycle. Because it was notorious for having a kind of slow process, right? That there was so much just lag in the system because of all the placement priorities in the system of how it works to place teachers. It was it was really slow in, in getting teachers into the system, right? Even if there were openings. That was the word on the street that San Diego Unified was sort of last to the table, especially for recruiting these highly desirable teachers coming out of our credentialing programs here locally. Um, so it's great to hear that they've, they've started to get in the cycle earlier. I think two things to keep in mind with this. One is that issue about the discussion they're having statewide about whether there should be, you know, a two-year um, probationary period after you hire teachers to whether there should be a, th- a three-year, right? It's currently two years. Should it be extended to three years? Yeah. It's, it's essentially almost more than, it's less than two years because right. of, of the deadline to make the decision. Yeah. But but that really factors into this because if you, if you do have a hiring frenzy, you want to make sure that the period you have to evaluate whether that was a good frenzy or not is actually pretty short. You actually have a year and a half or so to figure out if you hired the right people or if they're in the right position. Yeah, actually, and as, now that you mention it, the other reason that it's helpful to have some extra time to be able to dismiss a teacher um, with no cause in that probationary period is that it's risky. It's financially risky to bring a new teacher into your system. It adds costs um, to your district. And so if you have more leeway, then you can make financial adjustments that have to do with the size of your workforce mm-hmm. um, with longer time period in there. So yeah. That and, is- I, and I noticed in that pipeline that Sandy, this is the second thing I noticed in that pipeline, it said, you know, one of the most important things is to evaluate and retain and you know provide incentives for the teachers. Well, without a significant, you know, meaningful evaluation and, and incentive system, that's not going to be as powerful, right? And if that's a key part of retaining the quality teachers, then that's something that we should think about as, as you know, the opportunity to 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 do to to not just work on it as a way of punishing or hurting or or pushing out teachers, but also of of making sure that people who are succeeding, who are passionate about it, get what they need to stay. Absolutely, because the attrition from the um, teacher workforce, some of it's happening with retirements, but some of it's happening with early career teachers who are not having fun or um, or yeah, working what they feel is too hard or not enjoying the profession. Strong mentorship um, programs, strong supports for early career teachers can make a really important difference in that. So yeah, um, districts I'm sure are thinking of and hopefully um, are all implementing ways to retain the teachers that they have recruited that they want to keep to make sure that they stay in the field for quite a while. Well, let's put this in perspective with our number of the week. The number of the week is 22,000. This upcoming school year, the 16-17 school year, the state is anticipating a shortage of 22,000 teachers across the state, um, which is an enormous number. So that's the differential between the number of credentials that our various credentialing colleges and universities and other entities are putting out and the number of teachers that the state anticipates districts are going to want to hire. Well, stay tuned for Heather Latimer. We are interested in your thoughts on as the school year approaches, as you start. Some some districts have started. I know my friends in El Cajon have started. Yeah. And 
you know, if how are things going? What have you noticed? Uh, are your kids in kindergarten? Did they experience the kindergarten shock? Mm-hmm. Are they uh, or are they flying through? What charter schools have you been to? What uh, schools do you like? Have you uh, what frustrations have you had? Have you seen teachers already be moved around after enrollment issues became clear? Mm-hmm. All of these things are important. So uh, if you have any feedback, we'd love to hear anything that you're going through. If you can call our voicemail at 619-354-1085. That's 619-354-1085. And tell us what uh, area of town or the county you live in and uh, your name. And be sure to clarify, of course, if you don't want us to use the recording. I am at, of course, Voice San Diego, and our education coverage and the podcast studio here is made possible by our members and donors. And so if you would please consider becoming a part of that population and go to voiceofsandiego.org slash donate. And of course, the Education Synergy Alliance has a web page. Yes, www.sdedsynergy.org. And we appreciate donations as well. So tell us, why did you want to talk to Heather Latimer? Um, well, I consider Heather an expert and community leader, but also she's going to share with us a really innovative new practice that she's introducing in collaboration with San Diego Unified for um, a new way to bring teachers into the teacher profession. So both her expertise, but also that this new project she has going. Let's hear about it. All right. I'm really pleased to be joined here in the Voice of San Diego podcast studio by Heather Latimer, Associate professor at University of San Diego School of Leadership and Education Studies. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit more about about your background. I was a high school and middle school teacher, both in San Jose Unified and in San Diego Unified for a number of years, and then was an instructional coach, a consultant, wrote some books, and about 10 years ago, went back, got my doctorate at UCSD, and I've been at USD for the last 10 years. And uh, run our teacher education programs, served as an associate dean, served as a department chair. So a range of different experiences working in the teacher education field. Excellent. So uh, you're a perfect person to ask. Can you just give us a general overview of how does someone become a teacher in the state of California? Well, it's a multi-pronged system. And so we have lots of different moving parts to it. Generally, in this state, you get a bachelor's degree first and then do a fifth-year program to earn a credential. So that means that there are all kinds of ways that you can go through one university and earn your bachelor's degree and then through a different preparation program. Most of our preparation programs are university-based. CSU, the California State University System, is our larger largest credentialing agency overall. But overall in the state of California, there are 250 approved preparation programs. And those can include small colleges, large universities, uh, county offices of education, as well as unified school districts. So how about here in San Diego County? Who are the biggest producers of um, teachers in our county? We've got about eight preparation programs that are based within the county. Uh, National University is probably the largest, but that includes numbers that aren't just in San Diego. It also includes statewide and even into some other states as well. Mm. Uh, Within our county, San Diego State and Cal State San Marcos are the two largest credentialing. And probably, I would imagine that San Diego is more successful than maybe some other places at recruiting teachers from outside of our county. Yes and no. Do you have any sense for that? Teaching is largely something that people 
grow up and decide to become a teacher often where they live. It is not something that we see a lot of people teaching. And my husband's an attorney, works in the biotech industry, and it's always interesting when people meet me and say, oh, you're from San Diego, you're a native, that's so unusual. And I kind of say, well, no, that's actually in your field, in biotechnology and information sciences and a lot of the high-tech industries in San Diego, that is unusual. But as People who work in education, that's actually the norm, is to grow up and become an educator where you live. Okay, so we need to be really good at um, helping young people here in San Diego decide to pick teaching as a profession and help them navigate their way through to getting that credential. Absolutely, and that's not only true in terms of supporting the numbers that we need in order to have schools overall be staffed with educators, but particularly it's important when we look at the diversity of our community. Um, unfortunately, we know that the majority of teachers across the country, about 85% of teachers are white and female. And I, I am also white and female. I have nothing against people <laughs> who are white and female, but that's not reflecting the diversity of our K-12 student body, particularly in California and in San Diego. Okay, so I um, I know that you have a project that you're working on that might help to address that, before, but before we get there, um, tell us your thoughts. So the number of teachers who, um, who've been credentialed in our own county has plummeted by about 30% over the last five years, which is similar to the state as a whole. And at the same time, as our economy has recovered, there's more and more demand among our school districts for teachers. So this feels like a really major crisis that's either brewing or is upon us. Help help us understand what's the source of that? What's going on? So we have a demand and a supply component to this. Um, on the demand side, we are seeing an increasing number of teachers retire as teachers are reaching retirement age and people who had put off retirement during the recession and concerns about retirement savings, devaluation of their housing, that they are now choosing to to leave the profession and we have to replace them. We also see a steady increase in the number of students. And third, on top of that, we also are trying to get back to levels of class sizes that are more in line with the national norm. We are significantly above in California the national norm in terms of number of students in every class. Well, that's for sure. I mean, you look at classes across our county, and they tend to be over 35 in the high schools and, and, you know, in the upper 20s or lower 30s in elementary schools. And that's not the case when you visit um, other states. That's absolutely right. And we tried many years ago, feels like many years ago at this point, to get down to 20 to 1 in K-3. And that has long since passed as we've seen those numbers creep up and up and up. And so trying to get back to that level that we know is particularly important in those early grades to make sure that students are getting the literacy and the numeracy skills and support that they need. Okay, so we need a lot more teachers, um, both here in San Diego County, statewide, and actually this probably national trends, right? Right. And on the supply side, (laughs) we have fewer people who are entering the profession. And that's from a range of different things. So certainly one thing was, The students who are in college today who are thinking about teaching saw the pink slip era in their own classrooms play out. They saw their teachers stressed about whether or not they were going to have a job the next year. And pink slips would traditionally come out during the recession in about March, and people wouldn't know. And there was a lot of uncertainty as to whether or not they were going to have a job the following year. A lot of people required to leave the profession because their jobs were lost, but a lot of people also chose to leave the profession because they weren't able to live with that uncertainty when you have a mortgage, when you have children of your own. Mm -hmm. I had a student that came through a few years ago at USD who was credentialed in both 
biology and chemistry. I had been a biology major in college, high demand fields, high demand areas in terms of credentialing. And she received pink slips five years in a row, mm. uh, um, which is just an unsustainable lifestyle at that point. Fortunately, she went away for, to charter school for a few years, chose to come back to San Diego Unified and is still a teacher in that district. But that's not the norm. And once you are in that level of uncertainty, a lot of people do choose to leave. And that uncertainty hit our youngest teachers most dramatically Absolutely. because of policies that when there are layoffs in districts, most districts are compelled through their teacher contracts to lay off their youngest teachers first, last in, first out. That's right. Yeah, so our students saw that, and consequently, there's a lot of question as to whether or not this is a profession that you want to go into. But that's not just here in California. That's something that we're seeing nationwide. Now we're only seeing about 5% of students who are moving into college, high school seniors who are college-bound, saying they're interested in considering education. That's the lowest ebb that since in the last 30 or so years that that question's been asked, that we're seeing mm -hmm. that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the national discourse. Uh, um, people say, well, it's about salary. Yes, certainly salary is a concern, especially as the economy improves. We saw that in the 90s during the dot-com boom and the technology boom there, that people would be able to say, hey, I can go get a better paying job someplace else. Why would I consider teaching? But the larger issue that I hear over and over is, why do you want to become a teacher? There's nothing positive about teachers. Mm -hmm. And I hear that from students. I also hear it from students' parents. And often the students that we encounter who are interested in teacher education and becoming teachers have to combat their parents who are concerned that, hey, this isn't going to be something where you'll be able to a, earn the money, but B, have the respect that we think you deserve. Oh, that's so interesting. So if we want to market to attract more students to come into the teaching profession, first of all, we have to start early. Mm -hmm. um, second of all, uh, we need to keep keep them um, on track and keep them attracted. But then we have to work on their parents as well. I hadn't thought about that. Well, and I think we have to work on the general discourse as a nation. A lot of the things, and this has happened since the 1980s when we saw a nation at risk come out, the discourse around how we talk about teaching, how we talk about teachers has shifted. And unfortunately, it's often a negative shift. And the tone and the rhetoric that we use towards education is to point fingers and place blame rather than to lift up and rally around the profession. Yeah, although I feel like we've, uh, as th that the rhetoric has moderated already, and that we've come back from the place where we, where there was, there was, did seem to feel like there was a lot of teacher blaming. Um, I, f I feel like we're in a better place now, but it's not showing up in the numbers of, uh, in the numbers of students electing into the profession yet. That's right. And I think that you're right to some extent. Certainly having the change in policy, the local control and accountability plan in California that looks at a larger range of expectations rather than having a singular focus on test scores mm -hmm. is something that's helping with that dynamic. But it's going to take some time and it's going to take a concerted effort to really be more thoughtful about how we talk about teaching and how we recruit people into the profession. Absolutely. Hey, so one more thing before we um, learn about your project, which is when um, when I was getting ready for this conversation and looked at the data for the number of teacher credentials um, that we that have been awarded in California and in our region, they really plummeted after the 2010-2011 fiscal year, took a dramatic drop and have continued dropping since then so that we're now 30% below um, the number of credentials that were offered in 2010-2011, even while, as you described, the demand for teachers is going up. But 
why why did it come down? And then as the economy has recovered and demand has increased, the number of credentials offered has just it's really stayed flat or continued to decline. What's what's with that? You know, since most of the credential programs are through universities, we're dependent upon universities to be responsive. And uh, as a faculty member, as an administrator in universities, we're not all that nimble, unfortunately. <laughs> um, frequently, it's something where you look at who are your tenure line faculty, how are your tenure line faculty responsive to the demands of the marketplace, and there aren't a lot of incentives to, for people who are tenured to be as responsive as we often need to be in thinking about how to meet the changing needs of the K-12 school districts. That's not to say that we're aren't seeing faculty, many faculty who try and try to be responsive to those needs. But if you have somebody who came in and is focused on elementary education, making them a special educator when the demand shifts and say, we need more special educators, that's not something that is mm -hmm. an immediate response. It's something that takes time to retrain your faculty to then retrain the students to be responsive to those K-12 demands. I also remember talking to Albert Ochoa at San Diego State University, and he, I, I was really surprised to hear this, but he said there's very little dialogue, or there was at that time, it was um, three or four years ago, between the teacher preparation program at, at Stan, San Diego State, and he said this was typical, and the school districts that right. they're serving. Yeah, that, that and, really surprised me. And that's partly because of the complexity of the system, which is where we, we talked about earlier. Uh, of We've got these 250 different approved programs. Just in San Diego alone, we have 40 different, 42 different school districts, and plus the County Office of Education, which serves our court and community schools. So technically 43 different school districts. If we have our, our six primary or eight primary university programs, connecting with those 43 different districts, um, it's a complex web and not mm -hmm. every district has the same needs. And so universities in some ways pull back and say, all right, we're going to do our thing mm. and hopefully that will feed in. There have been some efforts to convene working groups. Um, San Diego Unified did a pipeline task force analysis about two years ago that they published a big report on and they worked with San Diego State, UCSD, USD as a result of that work to try to have a stronger pipeline. Um, but you're right, it is a perennial problem that the universities, the teacher preparation pipelines aren't always talking to the school districts. And that's part of why many of our school districts do say, you know what, let's, let's try to in-house some of this credentialing ourselves and do it ourselves so that we're making sure that we're responsive to what we need. So that uh, that maybe brings us nicely to the project that you're working on. So tell us about the San Diego Teacher Residency Project. Did I get the, t the title right? Almost. Almost? Uh, oh, darn. Uh, okay, correct it, please. Uh, we're calling it the San Diego Teacher Academy, and that it does teacher include teacher residencies, which is a model that essentially says we're going to require teachers to be really immersed, uh, prospective teachers to be really immersed in the school system, in the school, in the classroom prior to credentialing. Uh, and this is a it's a partnership effort. So it's a partnership between the new nonprofit that we're starting called the San Diego Teacher Academy, as well as a university partner, University Southern Southern New Hampshire University, and their College for America platform. So it's a fully online competency based project based platform, as well as uh, the San Diego Unified School District. And the idea is to one one of the challenges that we see in teacher education is that we are required oftentimes to wait until someone has a BA to really fully engage them in teacher preparation. 
And the, the difficulty there is oftentimes it means that there is that disjointedness and a lack of connection between the university undergraduate experience and the teacher preparation experience. Like means, what? What's, what does disjointedness mean? It means that we lose people along the way, people who may think about education early on. As they get through their four years, they come out with debt. They come out with uh, um, a sense that I've done four years. I don't have time to do a fifth-year preparation program. I'm going to go work in some other field. And even if they think at the time I might come back into teacher education, mm. uh, um, as they look at the demands of what it takes to get a credential, it becomes uh, very discouraging to come back and think about education. So you can't as I understand it, maybe maybe this isn't totally accurate, but I think you can't major in education That's as correct. an undergraduate major in California and California. directly enter the, the teaching profession. Yes. Whereas other states, you can do that? That is correct. Um, so, so in California, that's right. You said earlier you need that extra fifth year. So you're saying we we lose people at that juncture, even if they've gone all the way through their BA program with that intention. But there's also decent odds that during their four years in college, they'll have lost that that plan or that intention. That's right. And debt is a big part of it as you're coming out and looking at, I mean, we see overall that over as a nation, we have more than a trillion dollars in student debt and students are averaging thousands of dollars in debt that they're coming out with. And so the idea of entering a profession that doesn't necessarily have great job security, although we know now that there's the demand, there's the fear that, oh my gosh, am I going to get pink slipped like I saw my teachers get pink slipped? Next recession, right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and that overall has a decent but not huge benefit, economic benefit in terms of uh, average payments year to year, that that's something that people think, oh, well, I've got this debt. I'm not sure I can afford to become a teacher. Okay, so what's the plan? What's so the, the new idea? <laughs> the, the plan here is to work with people who are both current paraprofessionals as well as people who have been in... What's a paraprofessional? Good question. <laughs> so a paraprofessional is somebody who works as an instructional aide. So it could be somebody who's a bilingual aide. It could be somebody who is a special education aide. People that we already know have done have a commitment to kids, have a love for kids, and have a commitment to the schools where they're working. People who are identified by their principals as great prospects for becoming classroom educators and taking that next step. Okay. To become a paraprofessional, you either need a uh, associate's degree or you need to pass a series of tests. And we have a range of people who've done both, but they don't have bachelor's degrees. And so the idea here is to work with Southern New Hampshire and their College for America program to help people get bachelor's degrees. They're working with us to put together an education degree-focused program so that we're getting access to the understanding of literacy, the understanding of child development, the understanding of supporting students in their numeracy and mathematics development. Uh, um, and so that would be through an online program, but then also working with the school district to provide residencies, high-quality internship-type experiences, and the credentialing system will then come through the district. So we'll have a bachelor's degree through the university, a credential through the district, and the nonprofit will provide the wraparound supports for students so that they're able to be successful in the program. One thing that I'm excited about in hearing that is the potential for recruiting um, bilingual teachers into Absolutely. the profession, which there's a huge demand for that, especially as we recognize that bilingual immersion is the most powerful um, approach to um, giving English learners both mastery of English and retention of their home language. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that possibility. Yeah, it's a that's a huge need. We 
estimate that about one in four nationally, about one in four students speaks in a, a language other than English uh, at the, in the home, mm-hmm. that only about one in eight educators speaks a language other than English. And so we know that not only is there a need for English language learners to have that support, but as you point out, there's also a need for native English speakers to be exposed to other languages and to have that bilingual immersion experience. So that's a, that's a huge potential area and something that's really exciting. And the other piece that I think is, is important here is that it's a low-cost program. The goal is for students to graduate debt-free so that they can move into Beautiful. the profession without having debt burdens hanging over their head and can really focus in on the classroom and their students as opposed to having these other concerns that often distract from being able to have that singular focus on their students. Uh, that's that's a really exciting idea. It's just so important, it seems to me, given how um, supply and demand are, are deeply mismatched. Um, and there's been a lot of encouragement by various um, think tanks and others to come up with creative solutions for local districts to grow their own. And so it sounds like you're stepping into that or, um, you know, stepping into that. So what's the timing for getting this off the ground? Well, we are currently the pieces have started to come together really quickly just over the last three months that we've begun this conversation. We're looking to recruit students as early as September and begin classes as early as January. Um, So it's moving very quickly. It will be a non-residential program, uh, um, but uh, have a home base probably in one of the middle schools. uh, um, Possibly we've been talking about Roosevelt Middle School in the Belleville Park area. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would be a place where our students would be able to come and gather and work together and collaborate, but also that the majority of their time would be spent in classrooms and employed while in the program. So working with San Diego Unified in paraprofessional roles, after school roles, so that they have that opportunity to earn an income, support families while they're also pursuing this degree and credential program. I think I might have cut you off. You said you're recruiting current paraprofessionals. Are there other types of students that you're hoping to get engaged with the project program? Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking at students who have come through the linked learning pathways that are focused on education. And so that's another area that we're looking at for people who are just recent graduates of high school. Um, Also potentially students who have finished an education program at one of our local community colleges who are interested in transferring Mm -hmm. in. And then also former military who, again, we're really looking for people who are from the communities where they want to teach. We know that the majority of our educators live where they work and work where they grew up. And so we want people who have that that knowledge, uh, the cultural competencies that are born from growing up and living within a community and can really share that and uh, not only with their uh, with their students, but also with their colleagues. Um, you know, we talk up in, I'm a former English teacher, and we talk in, in English about how we want books to be both windows and mirrors. We need books where students see themselves as a mirror, but we also need books where they're seeing the world. And I think our teaching workforce needs to similarly reflect that. We need to have a diversity of teachers who reflect the diversity of students so that as you go through the system, K-12 kids see people who look like them and have their experiences and also see people who are different from them. And that's true for all of our kids. Mm, Of course. Well, I wish you great luck. It'd be fun to have you back with one of your students for a future podcast. So thank you, Heather, for coming in. Heather Latimer. Um, and best of luck with your endeavor. Thanks so much. <laughs>